episode 26 of Etc. Etc. with Young Southpaw. That's moi. Me, if you ain't got your French tongue on. 26, woo! All the letters of the alphabet. Like an extended remix of that Jackson 5 song. Though lately I've been thinking about another tune, man. You know that song? You know that song. I saw her standing there, you know. That first line, man. I mean, woo! I tell you, I was like four years old, listening to my mother's Beatles albums, and I dug what I heard, you know? But then it's like, she was just 17, you know what I mean? And I didn't. I had absolutely no idea, you know? I mean, how could I? I was only four. I had not yet experienced what life as a 17-year-old was like. All the trials and tribulations of, of what I did not know. I knew nothing like it, you know. I had 13 more years to go before I could even begin to comprehend or even get into R-rated movies, you know. I mean, why wasn't there an R rating on this song? Would have made much more sense instead of that time I was 16 and tried to go see white men can't jump and they wouldn't let me and my friends in. I mean, I think we were close enough in age to understand what was going on in that film. It's not like I was younger and was going to assume that the movie was about the Beatles not writing Van Halen's jump. But then somehow Woody Harrelson somehow personifying all of Van Halen proves that they can? Wesley Snipes pulling a Danny Ainge, having been in the baseball film Major League as well. I guess Michael Jordan too, you know, though that, that wasn't the majors. And anyway, that was in the future, you know. Though dang, man, both Snipes and Woody were in Wildcats too. A football film. Making the hat trick for Snipes. Weird, man. A hat trick without a hockey film. He should get some kind of award for that. There is a lot going on here. But these are all pretty American sports, you know. I wonder what the Beatles would make of all this. I mean, they had the money. They could have funded a Woody Snipes cricket film if they wanted to. Or like a trilogy, you know? Add rugby in there and lawn bowling, I guess. It'd be riveting. And my point is that as a four-year-old, that I didn't know that this wasn't what the Beatles were talking about. That this 17-year-old woman in the songs somehow represented all these future films. Or like prophesied that I wouldn't get in to see White Men Can't Jump 12 years in the future. I mean, had I realized that, I could have prepared, you know? Certainly would have had enough time. Could have figured out a way to sneak in. 
And then leave the money for the ticket on the counter on my way out, of course. And I don't want to be ripping off Snipes and Woody like that. But imagine if, like, in 1980, I was sitting there listening to Meet the Beatles and I asked my mother, Mama, is this song about Wesley Snipes? But like I'm saying, I had no idea. And I probably would have been content to carry on having no idea if the Beatles themselves hadn't tried to get me to agree with them that I knew what they meant. If y'all want to hear the rest of this story, and believe me, there's more. It's this week's episode of the Young Southpaw Part of an Hour. That's the story show podcast over on youngsouthpaw.com. Check it out. It's number 49, too, like that, like that Thomas Pynchon novel. Tommy P. There's a bunch of these stories over there. 49, in fact. But, but let's get to this week's episode of this podcast. We got Amelia Fletcher and Rob Percy of many, many bands. I've been a fan since I discovered Heavenly and Sarah Records at Brass City Records of Waterbury, Connecticut back in 1994. Spent a long time hunting down those singles back then. And now there's a Heavenly Singles compilation coming out in December. After Heavenly was Marine Research, and man, that album ranks high in my all-time top records list. Such a great pop album. And there's been many, many more bands since. So let's get to it. All right. We're here today with Amelia Fletcher and Rob Percy. How are you guys doing today? We're doing good, thank you. We're good. Autumn started today. Fall. It's fall. Fall. The fall, the fall started <laughs> today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Simultaneously, like, like they nearly always do. Mother uh, nature, huh? Mother nature. It's really windy and damp and grim here. <laughs> Isn't it like that yeah. most of the year? No, no, you, you, you sometimes people, we get a sunny day. Here. We, we have had sunshine, <laughs> we call it summer, and it lasts for about a week. And we <laughs> get naked, run around, and then go back indoors. Mm, uh, I don't I, get naked. Uh, sorry, yeah, <laughs> I love summers in the UK. The uh, the sun usually sets around 10 30, you just sit outside at the pub, mm. or you used to be able to. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can still sit outside our pub. The little village where we live has got one pub. That's all it has got. But it's a good pub and it's got a really nice garden and the sun sets on that garden. So I've spent many happy evenings just drinking my beer in that pub. Yeah. And so far we can still just about socialise outside. So we yeah. we do. Yeah. <laughs> now I was going to introduce you guys and list your bands, but there's just like an infinite amount and they just seem to keep proliferating. So like, <laughs> what ones are currently active? Okay. Well, the the active ones. So the the main one, I suppose, is the catenary wires, which is the two of us. Um, recently joined by Andy Lewis, who plays bass, and Faye Hallam, who plays keyboard, and Ian Button, who plays drums. And all of those people are, have other musical lives as well. A lot of them more um, celebrated than ours. And then, so that's catenary wires, and we've done two LPs, and we're just about to do a third one. Oh. Uh, she's nearly nearly finished recording it, and then there's Swansea Sound, which is, this is a band that emerged during lockdown. Um, and what happened was that I'd written some songs that were too fast and sort of punky, really, for the Catenary Wires, because Catenary Wires is a fairly melancholy outfit. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and We're so, very melancholy. <laughs> and also, if I, I sing in the continuum, was because my voice is low. Any, I make any song sound melancholy, even if it is fast. So, so we got in touch with Hugh, who was Amelia's friend more than mine, because she sang in the Poostics back in the day, uh, and Hugh was the singer in the Poostics. And I kind of thought he might want to try singing it, and he did. He recorded the singing on his phone in a cupboard and sent it back to us and it sounded great. So we mixed the songs, you know, on the basis of that and then put the first single out a few weeks ago and there's there's more in the pipeline. So that's... that's so that, that, there's also one called European Sun, which is our friend Steve, um, who just writes great songs and didn't know how to record them. So we effectively arranged and recorded them for him. Then there's a thing called Nancy Gaffield and The Drift. Let's just call this The Drift. Oh, well, the Some, band is at the, the moment. Drift. It's got Nancy Gaffer with it, but it won't yes. always. Okay, oh. um, and Nancy Gaffer is a poet, and we basically do semi-improvised stuff, in, 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 influenced by the um, the rainy Kentish countryside um, in the background. Where we live is kind of we're on the edge, we're near the sea, and there's a huge area of marshes, and then at the end of that, there's Dungeness, which is this amazing shingle landscape, and it was it's kind of it's known as Europe's only desert. Um, it's a unique landscape um, and it's it's a new landscape so there were storms about 800 years ago which threw up all the shingle and created this extraordinary landscape which is itself now of course under threat because it's only a few feet above sea level so it's a fascinating place because it might be a very short-lived piece of landscape given what's happening with sea levels and so the music we recorded we call it marsh dub um, it's very bass heavy um, nice. and and uh, then we met Nancy, who is a really brilliant, she's an American poet from Colorado, who happens to be a professor of poetry at Canterbury University. Uh, and she had written a lot of poetry, which was based on walking, on describing or poeticizing the landscape. And we had already started doing our music and we met and discovered we were coming at the same, we were looking at landscapes, some of us interpreting it musically and in her case, interpreting it through words and we combined with her to create this piece which we then performed live and now we've recorded and it's coming out as a I'm very excited I've never had it come out as a book it's a book oh. and a CD this is a joint thing coming out um, thanks to her publisher which comes out next next month yeah oh, nice. so you thought you were doing a music podcast but actually it's turned into a literary podcast yeah. just just like that just like that wow <laughs> are you guys close to Canterbury yeah. Yeah. It's about 15 miles away. Because since I first saw it, it's catenary wires. Yeah. <laughs> when I first saw it, I thought it said Canterbury Wives, and I've <laughs> never been able to see it otherwise since. It is confusing. We are the catenary wires from near Canterbury. <laughs> uh, and other, we have been introduced as the Canterbury Wives. <laughs> oh, all right. So I'm not alone. <laughs> yeah, no, not alone. And most American people also say catenary, I think, rather than catenary. Yeah, I would have said that if I had not heard you say it. (laughs) (laughs) Now some English people say catenary. Yeah, well, basically it's a word that no one... Well, actually, Americans say more than English people. English people never say it because, I don't know, we just don't... Rob liked the word, so it's it's now our band. (laughs) We have a band name that no one can remember, basically. You're not alone. There's only two people we've met who knew what the word meant. And one is a friend of ours in the village who works on... is an electrical engineer on the railways... And so he's, he deals with catenary wires all day long because he's fixing them. And the other was Amelia's old maths professor. He went, ah, catenary, yes. And he could remember the graph, um, the uh, formula. The equation for a catenary curve. So, 
So, um, so our fan base is mainly um, railway engineers and maths professors. <laughs> it's pretty small. Strong fan base of two there. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, they're keen though. They're really loyal. They're, they're really loyal. But it keeps it literary with that uh, Canterbury connection. We're back yeah, to the yeah, yeah, which is quite nice. It's all rhymes. It's, uh, <laughs> it's like a rhyme. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And also, we kind of like, we did get, because there was the Canterbury scene in the 70s, which were bands like oh, Caravan. Right. And, you know, those kind of bands that are very out of fashion, or they have been very out of fashion. Um, and I didn't know much about, uh, Robert Wyatt I knew about. Robert Wyatt was part of that scene. Um, a fantastic musician. And he... I mean, he he's obviously outgrew it and became a kind of performer and a songwriter in his own right. But I got a bit obsessed with the Canterbury scene because it's this really strange group of quite idealistic, quite innocent sort of hippies, but not really hippies, musos, really. I mean, they weren't like us. And I love the fact that, um, well, because we aren't very good. Because we're not very good at playing, but, even um, after all these years. Well, we, do, we, we, we do our best. But, the, um, the, but I love the fact that this in this town, this amazing scene sort of mushroomed and nothing's really happened since nothing has happened oh. nothing happens in canterbury now Canter- as far as we can tell canterbury but, um, as a music town is not very alive <laughs> and yet it was for a while in the 70s in the 70s yeah, yeah. that's awesome. make it so again yeah that if we a- change your name properly <laughs> 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 secret gears yeah well, <laughs> well what i wanted to talk to you guys about first is the heavenly compilation that's coming out now abu the heavenly awesome name with the reference to godar and breathless and you guys covered france gall's nunes on paul de Jonge. we did yes were you you big francophiles i'm a particularly big france gall fan and a Serge Gansberg fan, even though I have to hold in my head that he's pretty hideous. Um, but <laughs> kind of rule that, you know, get my head around that actually, and still like didn't actually keep it a big secret at the time. No, it wasn't like we're secret hideousness. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but, and also, I mean, basically France specialises in these dodgy men that people like me somehow find attractive. So I don't think Jean-Luc Godard was really much better, but I absolutely love Abu de Souffle. My hair all my life has basically been inspired by Gene Seberg in that film. So um, yeah, yes, you, you got the right reference. My, my hair has been... That's <laughs> right, I noticed that, yeah, right off the bat. By Truffaut's, Truffaut's hair is a thing I've studied at some length, yeah. But we did, we did do that song, um, the, the French song, you you mentioned was like we did a set of five cover versions because someone asked us to and two of the other ones are on the compilation of the and that and each member of the band got to choose a song um so amelia chose new some palaisons and i chose art school by the jam um which is on the on the album i like amelia doesn't like me saying this but i think it's probably the best song on the record but you know <laughs> It's really fast. It's even it's faster than the original. And also because we couldn't work out what all the lyrics are, there's one bit where Amelia and Kathy just go a mushy 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 because because they couldn't work out what the what the lyrics. Were. They probably weren't mushy mushy. They weren't mushy mushy. I'm afraid two of the songs were well. They never saw the light of day, did they? The ones no. that Kathy and Matthew chose. They well, in fact, now they're saying can't. Well, Kathy is saying can't can't our songs come out since everyone seems interested in Heavenly now. But yeah. interestingly, we've lost the tapes. <laughs> can't oh, find no. them. Yeah. <laughs> they, they were, and the, the third, the, the the last one that Pete chose, which is actually also is a brilliant song, is on the LP, which is um, that song by the Flaming Groovies. What's it called? You tore me down. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, those were the covers that the only covers we ever did. And I can't remember why we did it now because someone asked us to. So we did. There was a reason. Oh. But, what yeah. were Kathy and Matthews, or is that a big secret? Well, Ka- Kathy's was La Di Da by Jake Thackeray. Jake Thackeray. Oh, I love that tune. It's a great, it's a great <laughs> tune, but in our hands, in our hands, it's not a happy experience. Well, it might be brilliant. We literally can't remember, but we don't remember it as being brilliant. And then the other one was a song by Bad Dream Fancy Dress. Oh. That, which Matthew chose. And yeah. I, I can't remember what that song was called. No, not can I. But we have literally, we have really genuinely <laughs> lost the tape. So I, 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 that's all I can tell you, really. Because it was probably in a box somewhere. It might have been a box in the house, but we couldn't find it. We've yeah, Pete is actually supposed to be hunting at his house because everything's at his house. So it might turn up, and I'm sure the kids would be very excited. <laughs> I would be very excited. I love bedroom fancy dress. I remember being in the uh, the Notting Hill Music Exchange when I discovered L Records, and oh, I yeah. I'd never heard of them before. And I saw that Choir Boys Gas LP, and I just bought it because it just looked yeah. so brilliant and had Curry Crazy and Lemon Tart as song titles. I was like, this is going to be amazing. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, it's a song from that album, but I can't remember which one, and it's neither of those. The, the idea of these two cover versions might be more exciting than the actuality. But it, might be, <laughs> it might be better if we leave them undiscovered. <laughs> you know that uh, Franz Gall, Serge Gainsbourg song, um, Don de Lou, Don de Lay? Uh, it's a TV performance. They never actually recorded it, but like, I think it was on the box that it's like a 40-second clip, and it's so <laughs> catchy and so good. But there's no proper recording of it. I don't actually know it. God, I'm going to have to go I'll and have a look. I'll send you a link. Uh, it's like okay. oh, yeah. Milk Teeth, Baby Teeth. And it's like some TV show. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well. That's, <laughs> that's not one of the ones where she got upset and hid in her room because it was ruder than she'd been than she thought it was. I don't think so. There's one called La Set, which is yeah. about a, a lollipop. And she hadn't realized that it had lascivious connotations and obviously she was a very young girl yeah. and she was when she worked it out she hid she hid herself away and was really ashamed and that's a sad story and Serge laughed and rubbed, yeah. his, rubbed his trousers <laughs> we could do a we could, we could do a cover of that song that's never been done and then lose it <laughs> so be, it could be a doubly lost cover version yeah that is a great idea <laughs> infinite regression of cover versions that never gets heard yeah let's I, do that David Lee Roth recorded an all Spanish version of his Eat em and Smile's first solo album. Were you thinking of doing something similar with Operation Heavenly? Like with a <laughs> French song? That would be a brilliant idea. Yeah, we should do it. The Wedding Present actually did do a few songs in French. Um, and I used to sing with The Wedding Present. Um, and so they did, why, we, why are you being so reasonable now was Pourquoi si tu sais um, only so I had to go and sing this same song I'd already sung in English in French except I had I'm I'm not too bad at French I don't think David Gedge is too bad at French either but he sang it in a northern English accent so I had to learn how to sing well, French in a northern a English like accent which was really quite hard but I, you know we got there <laughs> <laughs> Keeping with the Van Halen segment of the interview. <laughs> let's, let's do that. Uh, after Eddie, she wanted to distract you by bringing in some in, indie <laughs> singer, but you, you stick to your line. You stick, yeah, okay. Yeah, don't be distracted by that. I've, I've had practice with this. <laughs> Van Halen. After Eddie passed away, you posted about watching Spinal Tap and how Eddie didn't get the joke because it seemed all too real. Have you guys had many Spinal Tap moments yourselves over the years? <laughs> <laughs> I think in a, a way, question. I, uh, I, I wish I could say we had because 
I think that's because I think I think that film is very much about men, isn't it? About men and their friendship. Because so when I, when we watched it again, because we thought one of our daughters would like it, and she did, and I kind of I find it almost almost made me cry because it's so <laughs> sad at the end when the relationship breaks up. I think that it reminds me more of being when I was really young, being in bands with other male friends, whereas the bands we've been has always been yeah men and women. And I don't think you get the same kind of tragic comic <laughs> results no no and we've also not ever been really super ambitious in terms of like stage stage <laughs> things like our, our friends um saturn five yeah, just, <laughs> they were they once did the thing where they decided to be a bit rock and they switched all the lights out and they had all the smoke and they came on in all the dark and everything <laughs> They hadn't figured out the fact they wouldn't be able to like actually find the leads to put in their guitars. And suddenly, where, where, where the bloke, Greg went to the microphone and went, "Hello, can you put the lights up? We can't see properly." Oh. It was so uncool, and uh, so, <laughs> it was their last gig as well. Oh, was it? <laughs> yeah. oh. But they were they were indies. This is Greg Webster, who was in a band called the Razor Cuts. He's a friend of ours. Yeah, he and didn't it, know how to be. He, he is he's is, he is indie to the core, and like. <laughs> So he in that band they were pretending to be a bit mm. a bit rock and it didn't work. Yeah, actually, my other favourite thing of a band that tried to do something and then suddenly realised they it didn't work, which is a lot twier than um, anything that than uh, Spinal Tap did, was Tiger Trap when we played with them when they all were wearing roller skates and then they suddenly realised that they couldn't actually do their guitar pedals because every time they tried to do their guitar pedal, they fell over. So then me and Kathy had to lie at the front of the audience and when they nodded, press their guitar pedal. That was a great gig. So yeah, that was like the, the indie Spinal Tap. That was a really memorable gig. That was in Sacramento. It was in Sacramento in, a, in some sort of squat. I think it was, it was like, some pa- some person's parents' basement when the parents were basement, away. The, the parents, the, whoever lived there had gone and uh, had been taken over for this gig with us and Tiger Trap and roller skates. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. really good it fun. It was a really, really brilliant. We were like, Americans are so cool. They do this sort of thing all the time. <laughs> it's never happened again to us. Maybe, I know Americans are cool and that does happen all the time. It's just, we've never seen it again. I've never actually seen a band on roller skates. Now, that's my number one ambition in life. I mean, it's amazing. Rose <laughs> girl in roller skates. <laughs> I, um, to bring it back to Van Halen, of course, I read uh, their ex-manager's uh, autobiography. And he, he had just amazing stories. He'd talk about like how on tour, David Lee Roth would wake everyone up at eight in the morning in the hotel room wearing roller skates, ready to go. And no one <laughs> wanted to join him. <laughs> that is very cool. It, that should have been in Spinal Tap. <laughs> the amazing yeah. thing about Spinal Tap is it's only 88 minutes long, but whenever I watch it, I see more things to laugh at that I hadn't noticed before. Yeah. It's, what I loved the second time around was the, you know, the, 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 the director of the film, of the biopic, um, I can't remember his name, the guy with yeah. the beard, who is the... Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think he's brilliant, because it's so subtle, because he's he's a really great depiction of that kind of quite sincere, earnest documentarian of of the rock scene. He takes them really seriously. And then there's that brilliant bit at the end where where the guys, they split up, and he asks, he asks the... I can't remember the names of the characters, but... One with the long blonde hair says, so "How do you? Is it going to be okay?" And he, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, he's, he's sort of, yeah, it'll be fine. We'll be good. We've been through this before." And the poor interviewer is so sad because it clearly is his favourite band, and, <laughs> and they split up, and he just can't hide his. It's very subtly done, but he can't hide his real distress. That it's like a kid whose parents have divorced. He's like, 
Yeah, he's actually, really, really moved, and it's yeah. it is a brilliant. I think what well, that's what is actually brilliant is all the performances are really quite subtle for mm. for, for a kind of quite silly film. Yeah. What, what brings <laughs> what really works is is yeah is that. That's yeah, a brilliant film. What was up with the heavenly Roman orgy photos that surfaced? <laughs> <laughs> I love those photos. I I put them up. Amy Amy's Amy's always suppressed those photos. <laughs> Um, I can't imagine why. We, we were, like, I think it, I, I vaguely remember that when we did that third Heavenly LP, which was called The Decline and Fall of Heavenly, so obviously it had a Roman theme. Um, so that was the excuse. And I think Pete, it's maybe Pete's idea, uncharacteristically, I think we were all just a bit bored of normal band shots. Indie photo. And so, yeah, that's what we did. Alison, who's yeah, still a friend of ours, who took lots of Heavenly pictures, turned up and was like oh my god <laughs> she's a bit shocked <laughs> no but um, she was encouraging us i think that's no. what the trouble she she she's she's very mischievous yeah. and so she kind of got us to do things that in retrospect we were not I, sure I we thought, should have done I, <laughs> but no, now looking back it's quite funny but at the time i think i, I was just mortified you, you i was like were, no one can see these pictures you were quite prim in those days <laughs> You were a bit prim, weren't you? <laughs> Maybe a bit prim, yeah. But it just was didn't feel. I, I was also quite punk rock, and it, they didn't just didn't seem terribly punk rock. <laughs> I think that's it's true that they're not. They're, they're, I think it's true. You know, Bikini Kill were like hanging out and looking super cool, and we were dressed as Romans eating grapes. <laughs> <laughs> punk rock well, would have been a lot different if that was the, uh, <laughs> the fashion. It was, it was neoclassical punk rock. <laughs> I think I think probably also people got into some people got into characters more than others. Like Matthew, I remember really enjoyed it. He's lying on the floor with Kathy dangling grapes into his mouth from her foot, and I think they probably did it more more wholeheartedly than Pete, Pete just stood there looking at his scroll. scroll. And yeah. I, I had a slightly half-hearted sort of like um, beaker of presumably wine. Yeah, if anyone wants to see these, they're on the at Heavenly Indie. I don't have a at Heavenly Indie Instagram site, but they're they are worth seeing, if only to see like what bands <laughs> shouldn't do if they want to look cool in a, in a band photo shoot. You had a I scroll as a pop. Yeah. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> I think Pete Pete studied the classics, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I think maybe he was found it easier to step into character than the rest of us. <laughs> he had scrolls at hand. He went everywhere with them. He, every scroll all the time. The, the, the tour van was littered with them. <laughs> they moved for the scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, how I first heard Heavenly was um, on the Glass Arcade compilation. So I fell in love last night. It was the first song I heard oh. back in 94. <laughs> Got me into Sarah Records, totally excited. And then a few years later, I was making a mixtape for a friend of mine. And I put that song on, but when I handed it to her, I warned her that I don't mean anything by this, but this is a great <laughs> song that you should know. She, of course, thought I was lying, and it turned into oh. a whole big thing. No. In a, in a good way. No. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were going to say, and now we're married. No. Oh. And she's listening today. Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I, I remember like I was genuinely just, we were sharing really great music. I was like, oh, well, you should know this one. And I was like, nope. <laughs> I'm sorry. You ever had any uh, mixtape oh. mishaps? Yeah. Oh. Not, not as disastrous as that. 
I think I probably made, I made, a, I remember making a mixtape for a, a girl that, in retrospect, it's not that surprising. I was about 18 and my favourite bands were The Four and, I don't know, The Blue Orchids. And I thought that somehow she might enjoy it if I gave her a compilation of, I mean, she liked things like Heaven 17 and, you know, stuff like that. Popular stuff. The relationship didn't last much longer than that, actually. No, well, I had. Uh, it is really dangerous those those mixtape things because I mean, obviously, it's a thing you do when you like someone or you used to do. So I, you know, I'd given I've given mixtapes to people and they've given them back. But the worst one was this guy, and I don't know if this will mean anything to you, but it, I basically w- worked with him for a bit. He seemed quite sweet, and he said, "I've, I've made you a mixtape," and then he gave it to me, and it was all bands like Marillion, which is so far away from anything that I could ever. I, I'd like then or have ever managed to like, I've actually tried to like them, but they're just terrible, really terrible. Um, and um, yeah, so I, th- at that point, I didn't know what to do. Like normally mixtapes are a bit close to what stuff you like yeah. and you can kind of smile at least, but it was so far. Oh, I think, I think, <laughs> I, well, as you describe it, I think I said that giving people mixtapes back then, it's a bit like when birds display each other their, their plumage. Yeah, it is. And, like, yeah, it absolutely is. And so yeah, my, my, my sort of plumage which consisted of like the grey and browns of the fall and the blue orchids was clearly yeah. not. <laughs> she, she wanted something much more near romantic and fancy. <laughs> a, different, a different gene pool yeah. than, than I could offer. So did you make it through all 90 minutes of that Marillion mix? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> it was Marillion and other bands like Marillion. Marillion were probably the best of them. <laughs> wow. What other, what other bands like Marillion? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Bands I hadn't heard of and don't want to. <laughs> uh, bands with jesters on them. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of falling in love, do you guys remember when you first fell in love with music? It was like a moment when you were younger, you heard something, and it was like, wow, this is for me. Uh, my, one of my earliest memories is hearing, and it can't have just come out because I'd be too young for it to happen, was hearing Ichiku Park on the radio, the Small Faces song. And I must have been, I worked out, I know I was about three or four because it was, because um, I can remember the kitchen and we moved from that kitchen when I was four. And Ichiku Park came on the radio and it sent a shiver down my spine with a doodle-doodle. And that was the first time I was like, I think I fell in love. It was a, it was a, it was infatuation. Yes. But, yeah. That, I remember it, it had a, I remember it having a physical effect on me, something about what that song did. It still does now, actually. But, yeah, that was the time I fell in love with music. Yeah, I, when I grew up, there was always music around, and I always liked it. So I kind of, I think I knew all of the words to Sergeant Pepper when I was about six or five or something, because just we had it and I learned them all because there was a, a lyric sheet. <laughs> um, and uh, But I didn't kind of feel I loved it. It just was part of my life. And I, I think the first thing that I really, really loved, and it's quite late on, is the Orange Juice album, where that was the first one where I kind of literally just sat and played it and played it and played it and thought it was talking, set, had mis- hidden meaning that was, you know, there was something that it was telling me. Hmm. So, yeah, proper love. Proper love. <laughs> mine, was, yeah, mine was a childhood crush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Swansea Sound, <laughs> yeah, corporate indie band. Yeah. But while I was listening to it, I noticed that your two initials are A and R. <gasps> Something going <Whoa>. on. <laughs> that, that is kind of sinister. That's like finding the satanic messages on the <laughs> yeah. You play it backwards, isn't it? I think you've rumbled us basically. And we did discover the Swansea Sound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
the Swansea, there's a good story about the name of the Swansea sandwich, and Hugh Hugh thought of it, and Hugh lives is from Swansea, um, and the woman who designed the sleeve is from Swansea, and the guy who put the first single out is also from Swansea. And um, Swansea is a pretty small town in Wales. It's, it's like not, it's not so small. Okay, but it's not careful what you say. Okay. <laughs> it's not. But, but it's it says, not. Says the person who lives in the fucking village with ten people. <laughs> anyway, okay. it's a yes. it's a city. Anyway, it's not. Yes. Okay. Anyway, so okay. it's called it's called it's called Swansea Town because the Swansea had a, a much loved local radio station that was fairly mainstream, but it was run all the DJs were local and it was kind of full of local information. So it obviously worked as something where people felt like they were hearing their neighbours, as it were, talking about about their city and um, and it would play mainstream music and traffic information and sports reports. But people really liked it. But then this year it was one of many radio stations that were bought up by um, a multinational company called Bauer, who have rebranded it along with loads of other regional radio stations as greatest hits radio. So now the people of Swansea have to listen to some tit from London talking to them um, and pretending to know things about Swansea when they clearly don't. And so it's that, and it was the old radio station. I don't think station. they even pretend necessarily. No, I think it's, it's just it's really, like centralised radio. It's a, it's a really radio. classic little story of corporate monstrosity and homogeneity taking over the world. Anyway, the Swansea Sound name and their logo therefore became vacant because <laughs> they'd, they'd sort of rebranded oh. us. So we thought we would inhabit the name and the logo. So the logo is also from the radio station, which they've <laughs> foolishly discarded. So we've taken it over. Well, there's a lot of sinister stuff going on here. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to go much further down this road. It's... it's um. So unlike the Catenary Wise, it is um it is it is a political band in the way that the other the other band isn't. Because I mean Yeah. Or it's political come satiric come I don't know. It's 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 quite direct. (laughs) Yeah. Um or we uh, I mean and I I suppose I'm Sponsor sounds like my responsibility because I I've written all the songs for it so far. Um and I think probably, like I say, they're just songs that were too fast or too direct or too funny sometimes to be right for the catenary wise. Because it's also that Rob writes songs too too fast. So he he if we if he if I let him have all his songs in the catenary wires, then the the balance would really be the balance isn't great anyway, but it would really shift. So this way he has another outlet, <laughs> which keeps the balance within the catenary wires a little bit more even. Yeah. That's- <laughs> The, I, yeah. I need to write faster is basically yeah, the answer. But... Get, your act, get your act together. <clears throat> How many yes. songs are there now for a Swansea sound? There's about nine or ten now. Um, well, there's only two out, but there's, 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 there's two more out, but we're, bubbling around. The next, there's going to be a single, I'm really, really, I'm quite pleased about this because it, it's, so corporate indie band, obviously it's pretty obvious what that's about. And the next single is going to be called Indies of the World. And it's a kind of, it, it's quite a light, it's a, it's a pop song, but it's a, basically it's a sort of it's a light-hearted injunction to the indies, i.e., you know, people who haven't been totally corporatized, to um to rise up against corporations like Spotify. So the, the chorus mentions Spotify corruption, um, and to to somehow to celebrate the kind of um the uh, the message. I think we're going to be able to get it released on four different labels. So there's one in the states one in japan and one here which is us we will do it and also in wales in swansea so the guy who did the first single his label is called lavender sweep so he's gonna do it as well so there'll be wales england japan and the united states all releasing this um 
seven inch tune. So it's a bit, it's a bit of a thing to, to, to work out, but I think, I think we're getting there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to, it'll probably be next February, I guess that it comes out. We're making all of about 500 copies and we're going to take the corporate corporations, but <laughs> straight on, head on. Yeah, they're, they're, they're trembling. There's a lot of trembling going on. <laughs> no, I think to be fair, I mean, a lot of, a lot of all this has become, has been made possible by, because of Bandcamp, um, which has yeah. been, if we're a new mm. band like like this, which it's brilliant, yeah, um, it's kind of it's the perfect thing. So, and I love it. It's the fact that because if you make a single, I mean, the best one in the world, it's going to cost you know eight, nine, ten dollars, whatever to to buy because they're expensive things to make. And but you can put it on Bandcamp, and you can it can be a dollar a song, and mm. you know, so suddenly music's sort of cheap again, which was the point of singles in the first place, I suppose. So it feels like for those people who really want the vinyl, they can they can buy it. And then for those who don't or can't afford it, they can just get the song on, on Bandcamp. But we won't be putting it on Spotify. So yeah, I saw you guys purposely don't have. Yeah, no, yeah. I, there's a bit of a row. So well, if by the time they want to go onto the album, they may possibly we may possibly have got our head around the Spotify thing, but certainly not not for the moment. Basically, Rob mm-hmm. Rob's theory is that Spotify is okay for kind of historical library music, but it isn't good for like. Mo- you know the, the 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 modern the the exciting thing that we should all be excited about. So once Swansea Sound has become library music, we're allowed to put it up on I mean, Spotify. If anybody's going to squeeze the tiny bit of juice of value out of it at the start, it'll be us. Thanks. <laughs> Spotify can like have it when it's library music. That, <laughs> Spotify is it's music. It's 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 the music corporation has been allowed to take over the world. <laughs> Um, there's a lot that's wrong with it. And and if you can make a bit of noise about... I think people don't understand how bad it is. So I think in a way, our relationship with Spotify as musicians is a bit like... It's like the same relationship that a kind of a chicken has in a in a factory farm. So <laughs> they they will farm as many bands as they can and they will extract as many eggs or flesh or content as they possibly can. Um, and they will make a lot of money out of it. Um, and consumers go, oh, great, this chicken's cheap. And consumers go, oh, this music's great value. I can have whatever I want for a few dollars a month. But the reason it's cheap is because the chickens are living in sort of <laughs> little hutches that big and the bands aren't getting any money. Mm-hmm. So it's a kind of, it's a kind of like a conspiracy where the, where the consumer um, is seen as the final arbiter of everything or as the, as the, as the excuse for um, allowing a, a system that's basically exploitative and... Mm. I think obscene. Um, so yeah, so we, we we'll make our little stand. Um, <laughs> or at least I will. We'll make our little stand while our while our government signs a free trade agreement with America to allow us to have worse chicken conditions. So <laughs> we are we, 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 you know. I tell you, in a few years' time, indie musicians will be in little crates. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do the roller skates that way. It's a shame. <laughs> efficient put us in roller skates in our little crates and you can just shove us along to the next performance that rhymes that's a lyric right there. <laughs> i think i think we got the next song. crates and skates <laughs> crates, crates and skates it's a big good t-shirt <laughs> <coughs> yeah now the, the first single came out on single yeah yeah and the locksmiths had that song the single revival is there a conspiracy yeah. going on I think it's a conspiracy going on. I think it's a, it's obviously a thing, and I, the the reason I think it's a thing is that people 
who wants most people listen to music digitally but a lot of them want there to be a physical artifact which they probably never play i think a lot of people who buy vinyl don't actually play it they put it on the shelf and make it looks nice and then they listen to it digitally and so i guess it doesn't matter if it's a cassette or a piece of vinyl or a kind of you know a pavement slab it it kind of it gives it physical authenticity but actually it and there's something still feels weird about because we were talking about all this continuary wire stuff that we're going to release next year because we could do a digital single tomorrow just by releasing some data into the world and it just feels a bit sad and yeah and if it was bold- it's, re- it's really strange we i think it is it shows our age that we just want yeah. there to be some degree of physicality yeah. of this thing, thing that we've made thing. it's not real unless it's in some way physical but then yeah. vinyl is really expensive not particularly environmentally sound um and very hard to make at the moment because just all the factories are falling over so if you can make you can make a set quick and easily and cheaply and actually it's still a really nice little thing yeah, they're nice things and they're, not, they're obviously i know we know there's a couple of labels I know in this country who are run by people much younger than us who are doing cassette single after cassette yeah. single. It's become, <clears throat> it's become a kind of, it's become a kind of a way of trading something of kind of like, it's almost like giving somebody a mixtape. <laughs> like yeah. it's a kind of, it's got that, it's quite personal. Yeah. So. And I think, yeah, that, and what we particularly like, because obviously you probably are aware about the poo sticks, um, which was Hugh's old band had a song called on tape, which is about how um, he had all these great records, but, on tape um and uh it's uh, you know that that given that history it felt right for the first single to be on a cause single and also it was because hugh's mate who lived in swansea um this guy called ant who runs lavender sweep he was really keen to do it and um so it just, yeah. it just felt like the swansea sounds first single should come out of swansea and so but he also, do, he really likes funny formats. So he does cassette singles, but he also does, you know, those dictaphones with really tiny cassettes. Yeah. He's, released, He's released stuff on those as well. Now wow. that is slightly silly. That I have to. I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah. And he, he has one inch lathe cut discs. I mean, it's kind of, it's turning the form into the art really. They kind of yeah. little, a little, I mean, it's a kind of, it's a different world in a way, but, but yeah, it worked. It was, it was really cool. And, and it was good. I think quite, he quite, was chuffed because the, the his the Swansea Sound singles sold out in six hours or something. So he was like, "Yeah, it's a good day's work at Lavender Sweet." Because yeah, <laughs> nice, people, people wanted them. Um, good night's work actually. He was asleep when uh, it happened. Yeah, he, he woke he, up and he was like, "Oh, they've all sold out." <laughs> <They've all sold laughs> yeah. And um, but also it was cassette cassette week because um, he he obviously is linked to lots of other people who do cassettes, and there was a thing called Cassette Week where they all hooked up and re- released quite a lot of cassette stuff in the same at the same yeah. time. Wow. The, the, yeah, the kind of global cassette federation. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were part of that. Global cassette federation. The GCF. <laughs> yeah, them. <laughs> I was going to ask, why, was, uh, why did you choose for A Buddha Heavenly for it to be a singles compilation rather than sort of a greatest hits? Um, well, it, I mean, it's, all, it's got all the song, singles on it. And therefore, if you had a kind of greatest hits... Everything, <laughs> everything would be on it um, because we, you know, we didn't have enough records to have a proper greatest hits um, or even any hits. Um, but <laughs> which is a minor thing. But um, it's just seemed the most kind of true thing, and it is a bit weird because it has got the B sides and things like that. And there's definitely songs like "See Us a Heavenly Option" that are not on it because they weren't singles and they were 
on albums, but they're kind of the singles that never happened. They're the, actually the ones that everyone thinks were the singles. Um, but it just felt like the most pure um, approach to doing a compilation. And we've, we've always tried to steer clear of kind of doing retrospective comp- compilations, really, because it just feels... a a little bit sad as you can tell we're very forward looking and <laughs> to go back and to go back and kind of get all your old stuff and kind of try and re, re, reflog it seemed a bit sad but so many of those singles are not very easy to find and people are spending silly money on them on discogs and stuff so we thought it would be kind of it was the right thing to do in a way to make, I think all the, to make it to make it available again because i think all the albums you can still get one or another like digitally or otherwise but the singles are yeah some are quite hard to come by so it felt like a kind of it had some validity as a thing mm. for people who didn't have might be maybe had one single or two then yeah really good and also it. sarah was i mean sarah records is also quite political in their way um and they didn't like the idea of singles being on albums like most people use singles to promote albums they didn't do that so all of the singles were not on the albums they were in america so because Kay did stick them on the albums they didn't care care. but in but in the uk all the singles were separate from the albums so when the so even if you manage to finally get a heavenly album if it's the sarah one you'll go oh where's the single so, so yeah with sarah in england we were like we were free-range chickens yeah we but, were free-range chickens but in america we were we were caged <laughs> that's what k is for caged <laughs> i i did do like a double take at the track listing because i i've expected modestic to be on and I, then i realized that wasn't a single i mean but that's a single if i've ever heard one <laughs> yeah i think I think, it, yeah. I, I think a lot of Heavenly songs, they're all pop songs, aren't they? So yeah. they all have a certain singliness about them, or nearly all of them. But, yeah. So, so it's, it's, been, it's been, actually, it's been a really nice thing to do. I mean, I, I, I think of, in the same way that we talk about Swansea Sound as my band, it's obviously not my band, it's me and Amy and Hugh and Ian, but, and Heavenly was, we think of Heavenly as Amelia's band, because she wrote, she wrote nearly all the songs for Heavenly. And, um, I kind of, I guess it was kind of your call. And I haven't really, I haven't been that interested because I just played the bass, you know. I, turned <laughs> up, I usually drove the car because nobody else could drive. And, Got um, into a toga occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> have a few grapes, a bit of a dormouse. And then, and then, but then going back through, it's probably because of lockdown as well. So, so I put, so the, 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 yeah, the Instagram page, I sort of started to entertain myself by finding old pictures and putting them up. And it was kind of, yeah, so I probably spent more time being, not nostalgic, but look, looking back and thinking about stuff I've ever done in my life, actually. I think, yeah, I think the other thing we kind of thought, I, I think even though we knew people like Heavenly, I kind of thought it would be a bit embarrassing to go back and listen to it all and, and, and dredge up old photos and everything. And I hadn't <laughs> quite anticipated that actually we were, co- we were quite cool. We were cooler than I remember. Yeah. Um, and better than I remembered, and, punk- is, which, and punkier I, than I remembered. And it, was to, it was to, to puncture that delusion is why I, I published the, the Roman token. Yeah. <laughs> it was going so well. <laughs> you didn't think this will make us even cooler? <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think it does. Listening because listening back to the record and stuff, that that the compilation, it, it, I, I thought, I, I think, yeah, I had a slight dread of going listening back to it, thinking, oh god, this is sound really rough. But all the singles lined up together. It sounds it sounds pretty good. Yeah. So yeah, and also it's been 
this sounds really A and R, but it's been it had to be remastered because they had to recut the record, you know, the tracks to fit onto this LP. And the guy that um, damaged goods, the label, got to do it did a really good job. And a couple of the songs that they sound better than they've I've ever heard them before because because I think that the kind of the it's all a bit random whether your record got cut, your single got cut well or not. Yeah, and some of them I think probably do sound. A also, bit. Damage Goods is a punk label, so I think the guy that he, he he's like, oh, Damage Goods, like we'll make, make that sound, punk. we'll make it loud, <laughs> make it sound punky. So actually, it really fits heavenly well. It, it's, it, it's, it's, it, it I wish we'd sound known, I wish we'd known that. At the time, <laughs> I wish punk, we, go punk. Well, because when we played live, we were really loud. But yeah, we, and as it's often the case that, and you get this live quite a lot in those days, and maybe you still do, is that as soon as the sound man sees two female singers. He cranks the reverb up and makes it all sound a bit pretty, pretty and ethereal. Um, and we would always live. We would fight to stop that. So we'd they'd, they'd take the reverb off. We want to people want to hear the words, not just like a mm. you know, sort yeah. of yeah, you know, this sort of perfumed sort of um, sound. And um, but then and so we were loud. Um, and Matthew was a particularly loud drummer, and I was quite a loud bassist. So it was a racket, and it was quite punk. But then all the records, most often bands, it's really hard to get to capture that. On record, mm. and most bands fail. But I think with this record, because of it being cut by somebody who understands punk, it actually sounds closer to what yeah. it felt like at the time than a lot of the records do. So, yeah. So that was good. And it's, it's, been, it's been incredibly great. I mean, obviously, it's not out yet, but it is on pre-sale. Um, and but we, we've been we basically Ian because basically because he knows about punk things, but he doesn't really know about indie. He said, "Will you send it out to like?" indie DJs and indie uh, blogs and things like because you know who they are and I don't and so we've been doing that we've been sending out to loads of people and it's just got we've, we've been so happy with the responses just people are excited and 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 we I've had just the, some of the nicest emails yeah. Back. excellent so, yeah it's been great maybe just, there'll be a future in like mixtape misunderstandings Follow yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it has been, it has been really nice so far um and uh i guess maybe because we don't it's not the sort of thing we do very often maybe it feels a bit more yeah. novel um i think probably also for a lot of people who were there at the time there is a there's naturally i'm sure this is true of any band who put stuff out retrospectively there's gonna be this big wave of nostalgia for a for a time where you were a younger b could could go to gigs of any kind yeah mm. um and there's something quite innocent about heavenly and i think maybe the world's got a lot darker since Heavenly played mm. in many, many ways. Are you and, taking responsibility? <laughs> well, I think I think you'll find that if, we, if you look at some of the, the histories of the decline of the Roman Empire, which we obviously did, <laughs> you, you'll see certain patterns are, are are reforming. I knew there were conspiracies to delve into with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> blame it on heavenly maybe that maybe that's what we should have called the album well that's all my questions Do you guys have anything else you want to talk about any other projects we haven't mentioned <laughs> the many we've talked about no, I, th- I think you've probably you've managed, you've thank you no you've 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 heard heard most of it i think the thing the thing we've talked least about because it's the one that hasn't come out for a while is, is the catenary wise which was the main the main thing we do but like <laughs> yeah. i said we've got this whole lp in store so we'll maybe we can maybe we can kind of like drone on about that in future sometimes because um <laughs> yeah 
let me know when it's coming out. We'll uh, yeah, delve yeah. into the, what's really going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the point at which the world gets better. We will bring light. Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> you guys are puppet masters. <laughs> yeah. Be afraid. <laughs> Thank you very much for coming on the show. Oh, it's a Thank pleasure. you very sorry, much. Sorry we kept you waiting. All right. That was fun. I really enjoyed that. And they have even more projects that I was unaware of. When the next Catenary Wires album comes out next year, they've promised to wear togas when they come back on the show, so look out for that. And do give all their bands a listen. Really great pop music. In Southpaw news, well, this week's episode on the Story Podcast, the young Southpaw part of an hour, episode number 49, you know, like Tommy P. Which means the next one is number 50, if my math is correct also means there'll be another Decalogue collection released over on Bandcamp. Check those out. There's sets of 10 podcast episodes of the story show with a nice bowl of soup on the cover. You know how I love soup. They're free or, you know, pay whatever you want. Youngsouthpaw.bandcamp.com And you can also hear them over at youngsouthpaw.com And on iTunes and all those places. There's a bunch more stuff over on YoungSouthPaul.com too, like live shows and videos. So thanks for listening, y'all. I'm going to play you out on the new Swansea Sound single, Corporate Indie Band.